Hello and welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. I'm Swizz. And, and I'm DR. A special guest, DR. Get yourself introduced, although you are part of the fabric of the Supercoach Insider community at the moment. Uh, a little bit different. DR and myself, we were going to get together and record our new footy positive. However, um, the guest was positively sure he was free, but actually had some uh, family commitments. So we are definitely organizing a few different bits and pieces like that. And I didn't want to hit up some of those close connections to get some football players on at the last minute. So trying to nurture that relationship. But anyway, SC Insider 100, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, all the audio platforms as well, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, you name it on YouTube. Look for us, Supercoach Insider. DR, talk about yourself, mate. We're getting into defenders today. Is it one of your favorite positions? Where can people find you? Thank you very much, Benny. Now, wrapped to be on with you two legends again. Uh, so mainly X, Supercoach underscore DR. I've just got the YouTube channel as well. So that's where you can find me. But yeah, look, the defenders, I don't mind this year. I think we've got a few good options. Whether or not we start someone like the big boys, your Dacos, your Sicily, is a bit of a discussion we'll have today. So uh, very keen to get into it, legends. Looks like Swizz is getting into his notepad. Uh, defenders are definitely one of the most relevant because... The forward line is so thin. The midfield is so blown wide open. There's about 18 people that can make top 10 or even the top eight. So I think defense is where a lot of people are looking to maybe start an extra premium, starting to really you know look at a spot where they can secure some people they believe will be top six to help launch their season, wait for the buys to, the early buys to roll over, wait for those early DPPs to come in and maybe snag a forward. So I think defense is definitely somewhere that people are really looking to try and decide which premiums they're looking to go for. And is there any value in that defensive line like the forwards have, like the midfields have? It just seems like defense is the the generals, the workhorse that gets everything done, but no one really talks about boys. So I think we're in for a jam-packed um, session today. Do you want to talk about the format on how we're going to look at this today? No, mate, you can go. You can go okay. the format. <laughs> so we're looking premiums first of all. We're going to choose one that we want to shine the light on. And I call it shining the light on like you're kind of peeping over at the next door neighbor. And um, then the other two people will then have their say on that person. We'll work our way around. Premiums first. We're kind of saying 450 and above. So it's in the premiums, the fallen premiums. And then we've got the mid prices. So about that 220K to 450. So we're pretty much saying rookies are highly written down. And that's kind of how we're looking at it just to sort of break up this segment anyway and then touch on any person that we do think is relevant. So first of all, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to start with the easy one. I'm going to say Nick Dacos, gentlemen, and because he's so highly owned already, buys be damned, Nick Dacos, he's a 116.3 averaging player, 650,000. You're paying about 140K more than you did last year. Midfield only, looks like he, that's his role. So as a defender sits, I think he's definitely top six. Boys, is anyone actually not starting Dacos for strategy purposes? Yeah, I'm not starting him. Oh, three minutes 30, the first controversy. Are you it's not controversial him or not at starting all. Him? I don't understand why. It wasn't 65% of people have him in. It, does, it makes no sense. Sydney's his worst team that he plays against. They do play a kind of lockdown for, um, brand. And Hawthorne have probably the arguably the best tagger in the league. And if you're going to tag anyone at Collingwood, it's going to be Dacos. 
So, yeah, and, like, I understand that he's got a great running capacity, and if Chris was here, he'd be like, oh, you know, he'll burn him throughout the game and stuff. But at the same time, you've got to respect the job that Finn McGuinness does, and there's definitely potential to pick Dacos up at a lower price, um, especially, but you do need to be picking him up straight after his buy because you would want him on Anzac Day. Great running capacity, even better ducking capacity. Um, DR, what do you reckon? I absolutely agree with Swizz. I'm not starting the man. Look, you can start every highest price player from every line. And Dacos is one that I think can hurt during the season if you don't own him. But I don't think he's going to hurt us too early on. So I'm with Swizz. I know people are saying that it was Clark that tagged him when he played Sydney last year, not on the list anymore. But it's a strategy that worked for that particular side. And I think that Horse may go with the same thing. Don't know who it's going to be, but... I just think that they're going to put a fair bit of pressure on at the start. And Finn, we all know what he did last time. I'd be shocked if he wasn't included even just for this game. So absolutely with Swizz, it's a little bit nerve-wracking not starting the man. But I think we can afford not to start him and then jump on a little bit later on. Jeez, who brought this guy on? <laughs> yeah, I love don't it. Me. Don't you know this is like Labor and Liberal. You're meant to back <laughs> me up at every Sorry, single mate. juncture. Um, no, look, and the re- I'll tell you the reason I'm starting him is number one, I think I'm looking for a little bit of security for someone who I think will definitely be top six. So I don't want to get caught in a position on trying to get a little bit risky with someone else. And then when I'm looking to upgrade, I'm also having to think, oh, others are upgrading using their trades and I'm trying to go sideways and forward at the same time. So that's why I'm looking at those who I can kind of guarantee that I will want, even if I have to spend a little bit extra. And that's the thing I don't like doing. But it's easy for me to say, hey, I'm putting him aside, number one. Yeah, 61% owned, and they play round zero. So if he doesn't look good round zero, has a bit of a bad score, well, guess what? It's an easy, you know, for me to get him out of my side and rearrange than it is for me to try and get, oh, now I'm going to have to try and get him in and then throw everything out of the bath. So um, anyway, an easy one. So I can see the argument both sides. So that way, see round zero, ladies and gentlemen. But Nick Dacos, you both have him in the top sort of six for the year, though, yes? Yeah, I Absolutely. think you'll go either one or two for sure. Okay. Yep, same. So for pure strategy reasons. Okay, Swizz, who would you like to shine a light on in defense? Um, can I drop down a little bit on the list? that, And I think this guy start polarizing a few people, um, but that's my man, Jaden Short. Um, and the reason is because all rumors is he's going back to halfback. Um, Uze's come in, identified a couple other players he wants to play in through the midfield. Uh, and we've all known how well Jaden can play as that uh, running halfback, gets up, can kick those long bombs from 55, 60. Uh, you're very good, Benny. So there is a lot of talk about Short being back in that role. Um, even the fact that he does have the um, round zero buy, um, there, there's definitely an argument that you could potentially look at starting him, especially if he has a great game first up against the Suns. And if he isn't necessarily a season keeper, could be the guy that you pivot to Dacos as the fact that he's buys after Dacos. Um, so effectively, you could get five, six rounds out of him. Um, and in that time, he does play West Coast as well, which has got potential to be a big score. And that would perfectly um, run into a great um, timing with his cash gen to potentially just become a side swap for Dacos because he is 100K cheaper. Um, the only negative from my point of view is 
his last few years have been 99, 98, 98, 98 average. So he's incredibly consistent, but he's never gone that big jump up to be one of the big dogs. So on those averages, could he be top six? Yes, because we've seen that sort of Sinclair, Houston, who could come back to the pack a little bit this year. Um, but can he lift enough to really challenge to be um, firmly locked in that top six is my worry. But if you're looking maybe at a short-term play, it oh, could be a decent um, one. <laughs> Very nice. Um, I knew you'd like that. You realise that um, <laughs> the ball has to be into defence in order to actually score though, right? So when they play do you, West you do realise Richmond are going to struggle this year as well. <laughs> so the ball, is gonna, the ball is going to spend a lot of time in our back line. And that's where I can see there being a, a lift. Um, I'm Mr. DR. You came into him so early, to be honest. I am highly watching this person as well. Now, the thing I am considering, though, is how many of these buy players can you kind of take into the season? So I'm yep. looking at each of those buys, I would carry a maximum of one, I think, player, that a premium anyway, that through that round. A rookie doesn't really matter as much because you're then just having a rookie play instead of that rookie over the best 18. But as far as premiums go, I think I'm willing to accept the fact that in order to get someone I, I believe will be a high-scoring player in a possible point of difference, one player per buy round is pretty much where I'm at. Uh, I agree with you, Swiss. I think the ball will be back there a lot and they're going to be under quite a bit of pressure this year. So that means shoveling it to him, long kick out, defensive 50, rebound, and hoping a lynch or someone else will come forward to try and make a contest and bring it to ground. So that brings the effectiveness up. That brings a long kick up. And we all know he's a big long kick. So if they're under heaps of pressure in defense, hey, give it to Shorty and bang, I'm just roosted it long to a couple of really big experienced players. So I think he is someone that could actually, I think for the first time, go one on five plus. And he's on my watch list at this moment. Dear. For me, it's all about that role. There's, it's funny. Sometimes when we hear midfield role for certain players, there is pre-cut, we get really excited. But I think for certain players, and I think Short's one of these guys, midfield isn't necessarily a positive for the pick. So if he's guaranteed to play down back, and there's never any guarantees in this game, is there? We never know what could happen. But if that's the firm and mooted role for him, going into this year, then I certainly think there's a bit of meat on the bone. Remember what he did in that preseason game? The bloke's got a huge ceiling. You know, when he's on, he's really, really on. So I think if he's pretty much guaranteed to play that role, very much firmly on my watch list. Put it this way, if if he had the one buy, I'd almost have the bloke in my side, I think, or close to. That's just one thing that does put me off, is that buy. But I don't mind the look of the man. Not currently in my side, but firmly on the watch list. Yeah, and that's where I talked about before about that, you know, the part in the pun again, that short-term play, um, because it's it's that start of the season. So obviously we we discount round zero, um, but yeah, they they play we play. Well, I should say we because being a Tigers man, um, but yeah, we start off with the Blues. Um, so potentially there, there could be some points there because they're you know a decent team um we know they we've got the the swannies and the saints early on too and then yeah as i said that west coast game when Collingwood would have the buy so um effectively depending on what he scores round zero you got zero one two and then three four five so that's six weeks of him um and then you could side swap to to dacos so if you're then you're actually taking the buy out of account and I, like I've been, and I know Chris has been hot on this idea about potentially side swapping. The fact we've got forty trades, I think there's room to do two, maybe three of these 
for the season. Um, a lot of people are on the GWS Tour Walsh, so that would be one of them. So effectively, if you had a second player in mind, um, I don't mind the idea of short into day cost as the second one. Um, and I think that's trying to maximize um, your points on field for two trades, which, you know, I think we waste plenty of trades on trading rookies and stuff throughout the year anyway. Um, so, yeah, I don't mind that kind of idea to, you know, maximize your premiums. Yeah, I know you disagree to, on that, Benny. Who needs to make correction <laughs> trades when you're already setting them up to begin with? I mean, hey, I, I need to correct a rookie and a premium. Oh, and don't forget that GWS player I want a side swipe as well on the, on the entry level into the tournament. So, look, I don't believe that. I think you, you try and put your best foot forward, and if by some chance something happens, which always does, then you pivot to the best player, which means that if I have a premium that falters, I'm going straight away. I'm looking at Walsh Dunkley. Walsh is someone I might look at carrying through. But, um, yeah, I think it's a bit aggressive to plan sideways straight away at the early part of the season. Um, short is only 1.4% owned as well, I think, for a guy who was actually top nine averages. So there are a couple of people below him that might rise up. However, for someone who is top nine, with the, the role that is now going to be advantageous for him, um, Swiss's drink just became transparent, everyone. Look at that one. I did. Um, as I'm here at the Super Bowl, yeah, clearly. So I'm, I'm interested for <laughs> that. Um, DR, who have you got on your first watch list? Well, look, he's a very popular player, but I think we need to just get him out of the way. It's Tommy Stewart. So I've currently got the man in my side. But to be honest, I've got a few questions around this. Now, big question I've got, and I don't know the answer to this, is is this midfield role going to come to fruition or is it just going to be possibly an experiment? Then he goes down back. I think when he was trolled through the midfield last year, he tended to start there and then float back and still tended to take those intercepts and do a bit of damage coming out of the back line. But with this new potential midfield role, does that mean that he stays purely in the midfield now? I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We just talked with someone like a Jaden Short. Is a midfield role actually going to be beneficial for him? I really don't know the answer to this. But one thing I do know is at the one game where he had his high CBA rate last year, it was, I think, just over the 50 mark. Yeah, 51%. The second there. highest score of the season. And uh, really went off tap there. So I suppose based off that data, things are actually looking pretty good. But I suppose I want to throw it to I'll throw it to you, Swizz. What do you think about this potential midfield role? A, do you think it's going to come to fruition, mate? And B, do you think this is a negative or a positive for the Tommy Stewart pick? I think that it actually could, and the reason I think that, because you've got a couple other Geelong aging players, but they've also got the young fella in O'Sullivan that they've picked up. Um, so, yeah, I think future he'll probably turn into a little bit more key position, but we know those guys sort of come in. Um, they've already got a couple other, you know, not only experienced guys, but a couple of the younger guys that they're already trying to fit in there, um, and that sees the force out like Radigalia, um, already getting you know pushed out because of the um, and I'm trying to think who was the young fellow that they um, had in there outside of Cold Jazzian, um, and it will come to me. Anderson but, was there, not a young fellow. Yeah, time no, there, there was uh, there's somebody else. I'm, uh, it'll oh, it'll come to me in a minute. Was also there. Um, yeah, DeConing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. So you've already got him. Was, you've saw, um, potentially got. We don't know what the role team. that. Yeah. yeah, we don't know what the role that Blixarves will play as well. Um, who can potentially go down the back line. So they do have a few different options that they can put down there. We've seen you know, Zach Guthrie continue to develop, uh, Buse. You know, they, they can run a few different ones. What they are lacking is midfielders. 
Uh, so, you know, we're talking about what's, what's Guthrie now at 31. Danger's got to be, you know, 33, 34. Uh, so they, they do need to put somebody in there. And I think the difference between him and, say, a short, Jaden Short was going in there as the third or fourth best midfielder, where there's a potential for Stewart to go in there and be number one. Now, I don't think they go as far as that, but you think they've lost Selwood. You're not getting the same amount of danger. We've just talked about a couple of those other options. Who is really Geelong's number one midfielder um, this year? So I Guthrie, think they're thinking... Clark and Atkins. Yeah, but Guthrie, you know, we just talked about age, coming back from injury, He's everything like that. He's a 12-month run-up. He's fine. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard for me to picture a guy that's just going to come straight back in there and be maybe the number one guy. He could be, but that's still putting Stewart as the second. I don't see any obvious, you know, who's the superstar midfielder. So I think there's potential for him to go in there and be one of the top guys. And as we said, we, we saw what he could do in a limited, I think it's two games he may have played in there uh, of at least 40% CBAs. And he's, you know, good, good sold hundreds in both of them. Benny? Um, so first of all, I, I thought I did hear that Blokovs is playing key defense. Um, what surprised me even more though, is that, um, um, uh, Guthrie Jr. Apparently forward, half forward flank with, um, I had this all swizz and then you bloody make me white. Um, yeah, sorry, this guy that you were big on last year, bloody Spud McGee that went a hundred, hundred, hundred. And you're like, uh, Get on this kind of ruin or both. No, the one that was going to no, the one you told Oh, Holmes, Maxie Holmes. Holmes. My boy, Maxie uh, Holmes. Apparently, Holmes yeah. is going off uh, halfback flank as well as the uh, distributor. So that concerns me a little bit more, which is something I read today. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that, so I am really keen to see some preseason games. But if he is in that back line, you might actually see Blycup's not actually a bad kick as well. Stewart might end up trying oh. to go sideways to distribute. Jack Henry's the other backman I'm thinking of right. as well. So, yeah. So I think there is a little bit of caution there. Stuart, um, the coach, I think someone mentioned it, and then it was one of the coaches or assistants. It was like, oh, wouldn't that be nice, kind of firing the rumour of Stuart playing midfield, which I believe Stuart has lightly rubbished to say that there won't be much in there. Now, just having a look at some of his stats as well. So he's 635K. I'm surprised he's only got 85% time on ground. Um, I'm surprised that he's actually spent that much time off the ground because as far as I'm aware, the only person that spends more time off the ground is uh, Richmond players after he knocks them into the earth. So, <laughs> I'm still dirty on that, mate. But The other one there is Mitch Duncan. So he's obviously played half forward midfield. Um, for a number of years and has now pushed a little bit more back behind the ball. But we know he's had some injury problems too, so I think they'd be cautious about trying to put him around the, the ball too much. And you could see him transitioning to be kind of that full-time half-back or back pocket or something just to kind of more look after his body. And he's a fantastic kick and take kick-ins. So I think they've got enough numbers down there where they probably think as great of a player as Stuart is, um, it's just kind of where else can we where, – where's a hole that we can fill that we need to fill this season? And outside of those those couple of midfields we've mentioned, Tanner Bruin looks like he's going to be playing full-time midfield this year, probably a year too early for those who jumped on him last year. Uh, uh, but, again, he's only a young fellow of, what, 20-odd games under his belt? So, yeah, there's a lot of pressure to put on somebody like him. So I think they're thinking big-body, experienced guy. The last thing I will say is that the appeal for those with Stuart, and I'm with you, DR, I've actually got him in my side. Same here. I'm trying to load up on a few premiums deep, you know, because I'd rather spend the money on someone like that than risk a midfielder that may or may not, you know, be that top sort of line. 
So for me, the other thing to um, really factor in as well, with the best 18, I want premiums with a high ceiling. And nothing says <clears> high <throat> ceiling like Dacos, Sicily, Stewart, people that can bang out a 160 and if you don't have them and it's best 18, that's the factor that's going to hurt you. Someone that just goes about their business getting 80 to 110, they're not going to hurt you because you're only banking that 20, 30, 40 points on a rookie compared to someone that's just going to absolutely light the earth up and make you hurt and your ranking slide just from that best 18 week. Um, yeah, so I'm going to segue into my next one. I'm going to go straight up and in. Someone who can challenge, hopefully, that 105 range thing. That seems to be where we're at with the um, the relevant players. And who's more relevant than Hayden Young? Finished the end of last season um, extremely well. So, I mean, values there. He's the Nick Dacos of 2024. Some people jumped on him a little early last year, but he did finish extremely strong on the run home. And he's someone that um, in that midfield position, we've spoken about him a little bit before, Swizz and myself and Chris, but we imagine, you know, Saron getting all the grunt work, Brachial rumor to get a little bit more outside. I'm not too concerned with Fife sort of getting in there, but I am looking at, yeah, I don't imagine Young will be getting a lot of the clearances as far as getting the hard ball gets. But anytime that that ball is there, if it's he's on the best player, so he's probably getting tackles on a Crips or someone that's the best player. And then if they're winning the ball, he's the most likely outlet to try and burn his opponent like a Dawson and then get those inside 50 score assists. And that's where I think he's really going to towel up as far as those stats go. Um, DR, what do you reckon? I love the pick. I'm all over the pick. He's absolutely locked in my side. He's been locked since day one. Hayden Young, he hasn't moved. Also that natural talent as well. We know he's an early draft pick. You know, applied his trade down back. Absolute right time, I think, for him to move into the midfield. So really damaging left foot. And although we said that may not get some clearances, I do like his size. And I also think that he will also be able to contribute on the inside as well as the outside. So I think he'll also add to that mix and get more of an inside game as we see him develop and his body develop even further as well. But I think right at the right age to start to make an impact. And I think a bit of a theme that I've seen in lots of teams this year is a bit of new generation type stuff, like the Butters type picks, the LDUs that lots of people are selecting. I think he's going to be that bloke that we actually have in our back line as well. And not that it really matters to lots of people, but looking to get a guaranteed DPP there as well. Always a bit of a handy link because I'll look at my midfielders at the moment in regards to my premiums. I'm not starting with Dacos, which means that I don't really have anyone with that DPP and it's always handy. So I really like that uh, Hayden Young selection and yeah, hasn't moved from my side, mate. Um, mate, no, I've had him locked in since day one and I think I'm a little bit biased here because I got to see it in the flesh. Um, against the Hawks in the last round last year. Uh, so as we talked about earlier in one of our previous shows, you know, they, they start with, well, in that case, it was Saron Brayshaw Young, but he's the one that drops back. Um, especially it's handy when they lose, um, you know, the clearance. Uh, so then it's still able to get him that free ball at half back, or even um, potentially get involved with interceptions, That's which he still, you know, took three, four marks at games. Um, we know he's a tackling machine, so um, you know potentially scoring between sort of twenty-four and forty points just there on any given week, um, and then yeah, just hopefully he can lift finding the ball from you know so that fifteen to twenty positions up to sort of twenty to twenty-five by being around the ball a bit more. And yeah, this this guy definitely I think is top six. There's no question. It's just how high could the ceiling be? Probably capped a little bit because of five, but you expect five will probably go down injured at some point. You know, hopefully not, but. 
j- just the way the the things sort of uh, yeah happen. So yeah, I think he's a uh, he should be locked in pretty well every team. Yeah, only thirty five percent owned as well, which is I've got a lot of scope. Uh, also got the good buy too, so he'll play through all those early buy rounds as well as has the buy with only one other team, Port Adelaide. So when you get into the teams that have you know four, five, six teams on a buy, um, you'll have that person actually getting those good scores. Um, the other thing to note on him as well, so he did finish, I think it was, uh, was it six of the last eight scores? He got 100 or more, including the last month, which was 123, 118, 113, 111. Um, the couple of low scores, I think it was more of that negating role, but also this is someone who came into that role partway through the season. He's now had a full preseason to work on that craft, to work on a few different bits and pieces and then get a little bit more comfortable with it. So he is someone as well that's just banged out some big scores of 130 plus previously as well. So I think there's definitely a lot of scope for that ceiling to shine. And um, I think he has skills on that team that no one else has. So that's why I think he's a, definitely a good pick. And for value, um, I think you can't really go wrong. And if you are wrong, then just trade him out at his buy. I'm sure he'll have a good enough games up until that point and then try and launch from there. Uh, is that it, boys, Swizz? Who do you, who you want to look at? Yeah, um, for me, I'll go the other obvious one, which I think could potentially challenge Dacos, all going well, and that's Sicily. It's just, uh, to me, it's, yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer. Um, I think he, um, pretty well from Supercoach Open, after I picked Young, I put Sicily in there. Um, there's no reason why I don't see he, people not starting him. You know, he's gone 114, 113 the last two years. The only real worry we had, which was more last year, was the potential that, you know, could they move him forward? But, you know, being the captain, he's kind of that quarterback for them. Uh, you know, and I think the biggest change from the preseason where before he was always taking the kick-ins, um, not necessarily taking the kick-ins, but something I like even better is they're looking for him uh, when they're ta- you know, kicking in. So if he's not taking them, it's, okay, let's kick it to Sicily in their match sims, 20 metres, oh, 30 so metres from goal, out. and then let uh, him... I'll jump in uh, on oh, that one, Paul. Lost you there for a second, uh, Benny, but um, yeah, let anyway, him distribute so it uh, yeah, out to yeah, outside of defensive really 50. So if he's going to do more of um, that, um, even last year, um, you know, he's not only getting the kick out, but he's actually getting the mark each time. Swizz, just hold your horses, mate. You cut out. Okay. And then another 170, uh, 171, 166. So he's the person who does like to throw a lot of 150, 160 scores out there. So that's why I think it's um, definitely a value pick with a high ceiling, someone that can actually hurt you and burn you. And another person I think you will want in your side. So the reason I like these people, and I'm happy to pay up for some of them, are because if you start going value, and if that value is not working, you're going to have to trade them out to the person you want anyway. Now, yes, you might save yourself. They might make you 50K while the other person drops you 50K and you might end up with 100K net sort of value. But if something goes wrong and you're trying to get to this person, but you have other issues in your team, then that tends to just wait a little bit longer and you don't have them. And then if they get a good score or something, they get priced out. There's a handful of, of reasons that it's good to just at least go, okay, who do I actually want to make sure I have for the whole season? Who do I really want to make sure? Who do I think will be top three? Regardless of price, let's just pay up. You can't pay up for everyone, but prioritize going, who do I not want to live without? Who do I want not want to watch play against me with that high ceiling on those best 18? And then just start them and find value elsewhere. The rookies are there. So even then you're looking at um, if Sicily's playing and then you have a rookie, well, when it's best 18, What's the difference going to be? You need one or two rookies to flag you an 80 for a week and then everything balances out. So 
Um, DR, what are you thinking about Sicily? And then Swizz will let you go back and um, land your plane. You just cut out for a little bit there, that's all. Yeah, no, it's fine, mate. Yeah, he's currently in my side. We've already basically locked in my three defensive primos and had a chat about them. Look, I did have Steve from SDS on for a Hawks team preview the other night. And just a couple of other things to mention is that he much prefers the Sicily pick with two other keys in there or two tools in there. So your Blunk and your Frost, for example, to really free him up. I suppose the only downside to that is does that make him more of a tag option for opposition teams? We talked about his massive ceiling, but I think there may be a couple of games during the season where we see him almost bottom out for a score, like a maybe a 60-type score. But he got a 63. He did. A 63. There you go. So, look, I think there's always the danger of that. But for me, the upside definitely outweighs the downside of maybe a couple of low scores in there because we've seen 160s, 170s from this bloke. He does it all, and he also gets the hard ball as well, those contested intercepts. That's absolute gold for Supercoach. So long kick, takes marks, should take some kick in. So a lot to like about the pick. We are paying up, but as you said, Benny, sometimes you just got to pay up for quality, mate, and I think he's absolute quality. Uh, I've got him certainly in the top three defenders this year. Yep, there are some industries you want to pay out for quality, and this is one of them. So, um, DR, who have you got for your next one to shine a light on? Oh, I was just, did you want me to quickly oh, go yeah, first, Oh, yeah, so Benny? yes, you finished. Yeah. I thought, sorry, you threw me off, Swiss. You didn't cut me off. And- yeah. yeah, no, sorry about that. I don't know how much you caught, but I was just saying uh, um, the biggest thing for Matt Sim is they've been kicking the ball out and kicking the ball to Sicily when he hasn't been taking the kick out. So I love seeing that because instead of just getting the plus four, um, potentially he's getting that extra mark on top of that. So if they're looking for him every time when he's 30 metres out from defence when they kick in and then he's kicking the ball out of defence, um, that's just ching-ching for uh, super coach points. So, um, yeah, no, I, I hope a lot of that uh, takes place this season. All righty. And um, the, uh, the last Good one point, of mate. the... The last premium that we'll go into full depth and then we'll probably do a speed round on thoughts on a few other premiums as a bit of a drive-by. Um, who's the last person you really want to shine a light on? Yeah, look, I'm having a bit of trouble reading this bloke, but it's Dan Houston. So we've just talked about the buy. Obviously, he shares that buy with Freeman and with Young and even someone like Luke Ryan, who some people may be looking to select. But for me, he's been a bit of a burn man in the past, but I think what he brought to his game last year was a little bit more consistency and consistency in his role as well. But what I like about this pick, if you look at the pre and post buy splits, is that pre buy it was 102, post buy 113, and then in the finals, it was 122. Talk about ceiling as well. Dan Houston's someone who I think has a really big ceiling. And this is a bloke that just seems to find himself in moments where, you know, the game can be on the line and he seems to have an impact in those really crucial moments. And we know what that's like for Supercoach. That is absolute gold as well. I think he's a pot at this stage. Last time I looked, I think he was in around 4 to 5% of sides. But great buy, real breakout year last year. And what I like about this pick more than anything with the Dan Houston pick from previous years is that consistency as well. He can throw in a bit of a stinker. But if you look at his data in 2023 compared to those previous years, then that's something that he's certainly worked on as well. Loves to kick the ball. And I think this year he'll probably share the kick-ins with possibly a Kane Farrell. There was someone else that was mentioned as well. So certainly should get a bit of that kick-in pie. And he's a lovely long kick as well. So I don't mind the Dan Houston selection. The only issue for me is how many of these blokes can you actually fit in? You know, we've talked about the young, I'm not going with Dacos, but really popular selections, Stuart, Sicily. He's probably in that 
next rung for me of premium defenders. But, uh, Benny, what do you think about Dan Houston, mate? Has he oh, been in your if, plans or at least on the watch list, mate? If he was 560, I reckon he would. I think he's just about 30K too much for what I want to pay for him just because of that low end. But then would you pay 30K more for the best buy in the house? So that is the consideration that, that kind of tempts me. Now, the thing that I do like about Houston as well is that if if a team is a little bit slack defensively, he is someone that can really run off and link up. Now, I'm sure you would have seen it against the Lions. He just bobs up everywhere, comes in from defense, and then all of a yep. sudden starts popping up 55, 60 meters out. Ask any Sydney fan on how long he can kick a, a heavy ball, let alone a clean one. So um, I just think he's he's a really attacking weapon that Port Adelaide have really started to utilize and know his skills and trust his skills that he knows now when he runs hard from defense and tries to get an overlap and try and get an out number or try and push outside that his teammates are automatically looking for it. So that's someone that gets rewarded for the hard work. And when you get rewarded like that, you just keep on going. So, um, and I think it does help with a few of these other, and they're trolling a few others at half-back flank as well. So I think like Sin, who is meant to be playing possibly further up the ground, is now back half-flank as well as a few others. So I don't think they're too set. I think there's a few other people running through that half-back flank, which means that when it comes to flipping a coin and if he's free, that ball's going through him anyway. So I do like it. I just wish I could pay 560 instead of 590 It just feels wrong. Just for, you know, he does throw the 60 out there. And if he throws the 60 out there, yes, the ceiling's high. But I also don't want to get him on a on a buy round on his best eighteen, and he pulls out me a sixty, and I have six other rookies getting me seventy, and I take those instead. It's happening to someone. Like someone's going to complain on Twitter. It's buy round, and they're like, "Oh, I'm picking a Walsh," or no, sorry, not Walsh. Let's say I'm picking anybody. So let's say well, like a Young or a Sarong, and then they spot up one round, and then someone will say, "Oh, I should have just picked Walsh. I should have just picked." Um, oh i should have just picked dunkley i should have just picked neil like is it i would have still picked up a rookie score so it's gonna happen um swiss what do you reckon he's the one that's probably swapped with short the most for me i sometimes think oh well there's 40k i can save and upgrade somebody else and then that comes in going okay what's my play for dagos because my whole sort of basis is like okay how am i going to get him in where houston's a long-term yeah, as you said, best buy. I'm not trading. I'm picking him for the season um, as that third defender to go with Sicily and Stewart. The the hard thing for me, and I don't know if this is a positive or negative, but uh, Port have a really good draw to start the season, um, and so they yeah they've got uh, what are what are seven of the first like ten games at Adelaide Oval. Yep, that's right. Seven of the first ten, um, and then that's followed by them playing North Melbourne. So, you know, it's a it's a really good fixture. And then la- like last year, so he's put up 109, 128, 122, 120, 146, 112, 128, 123, 110 at the Adelaide Oval. Like they are massive numbers at home. So for a guy who's got seven out of ten games there and is known to go massive on his home deck, um, it's, it's very tempting because he's going to be a massive pod. And I think over those sort of first six, seven rounds, if everybody else is on Dacos and obviously we know he's going to miss a game, would I rather back Houston during that time with that softer draw? I think at the very least for those first five, six rounds, Houston can match him. Then Dacos will break away and there'll be a massive gap between the two. Wouldn't it be nicer, um, but... though, to save 90K and not 60, though? Um, 
Hey, well, know- and this is this is the debate, isn't it? It's, but it, like everybody says, it'd be nice to save the money, but it depends on what you do with the money, because it's useless if it's like, okay, I'm turning five because I'm going to another like defender and bringing in Buderick, for example, and then five just outscores Buderick anyway. Or the two rookies you're debating about, one's thirty k dearer, and let's just say it's Windsor versus I don't know who's one fifty, uh, Finlay McRae, for example, and you're debating between those two. And then Finlay McRae outscores Windsor anyway. So it's like, okay, was that 30K really worthwhile if the difference was that premium actually goes off tap? So um, there, there's a case what, both what ways. The money. I can tell you what we can do with the money. And we can um, give $100 of Swiss YouTube revenue to League Go. <laughs> 30-4-0-3-0. And the league description is like SC Elites, only better. So if you want to win $100... Always quick to give away other people's money. Uh, And he (laughs) he needs to because he he was so shit in his bets last year. Uh, Yeah, so if I I wasn't... He's definitely in that 50-50 role for me. And I feel like it's more a case of not what Houston does preseason, but other people players ruin themselves out. Um, And I'd probably go a different strategy to go day costs, like maybe it's like a Matt Crouch or something someone like that and it's go okay i'm just going to lock in sicily um stewart and houston as my top three defenders because I, I really want four premium defenders i think there's that that's the way i kind of want to go i can't believe we just spoke seven and a half minutes on houston but i will say um swiss do you know what you get when you put short and houston together oh here we go houston we have a height problem um <laughs> <laughs> that's the first Jeez. part all right on the go. spot as well what a, what a genius Let's Jeez. go, let's go. But yeah, no, that, that code is real and the winner will get $100. It's, um, I joke, but it will be Swiss's YouTube revenue. Um, <laughs> Even though you're making more, way more than me. Hey, 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 <laughs> I do I do the editing and the... Sure you do. No, it's all right. We'll, we'll, it's a joke, but obviously... No, it's good, it's we'll, good. We'll fix, we'll fix Swiss up. Um, all right, so going into the other premiums list of things at this point in time... Um, couple of real quick drive-bys as far as other premiums. Now, there are a few people trying to look at, um, you know, like Luke Ryan, etc. I think there's quite a few moving parts down there. Plus, I think Luke Ryan also did have some issues as well early on. Sinclair is another one as well that um, a lot of people are sort of getting on. But um, the emergence of, um, was it Wanganin Miller? I think, you know, in that yeah. defensive line, it, that's a bomb waiting to happen, in my opinion, gents. And then you've got... A lot open in the air. So as in, you know, when you have Nick Newman in there, it's like, okay, well, you know, Zach Williams is coming back in. So him and Saad, the Bash brothers are back together, which we'll get into in a little bit. Is that going to impact him? I mean, Doherty definitely doesn't have to be back there as much anymore, but what does it mean for him? And she's all, you know, now they're talking about playing the next first-year player, um, McKercher, and putting him in the defensive line. So let's just go and, um, you know, change him up into a midfield forward. So I think there's a lot of questions there. And speaking of questions, I know we're going to get a question about why haven't we spoken about Ridley yet, boys? Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on some of these other options as far as a left field one um, that might have the potential to be a top 10? Um, DR and then Swiss. Yeah, well, you've mentioned a few that I was going to bring up myself, mate. So with Ridley, he's been a frustrating player for me in the past. I've owned him a couple of times. He's looked great. Then something's happened to him, but we know that buckets has obviously moved across there. A lot of talk that that will free Ridley up, but I think in his own words, he's actually come out and said that there will be times where he will need to lock down a little bit more. So I don't think that just because buckets has moved across that that guarantees Ridley 
to be freed up all the time. So I think he's going to be one of those hit and miss type selections. With Luke Ryan, I actually don't mind the selection. It depends on what they do game plan wise because that style didn't really work for them last year. So if they look to change things up, I really don't think that that's going to benefit someone like a Luke Ryan. But I know Intracub the other day was intercepting everything, plenty of kickouts. But if you are running with a Hayden Young and even someone like if you're looking at a Dan Houston, then you can't have all of them, can you, particularly with the Brayshaw, the Saronga, Butters in the midfield. It's a good buy, but you still can't load up on too many of those players. Uh, someone like a Whitfield, mm. I just can't trust his body. Oh. I think there's upside there. But how much do you trust him? I'm really not too sure. But he is tempting me a little bit, I must admit, just to check him out. But the buy doesn't really suit him. But, uh, yeah, that's probably my thoughts on a few of them. Swizz, anything else you can add, mate, mate or another if player it you wasn't want to bring for, up, mate? Yeah, if it wasn't for the buy, I'd have Whitfield in. Um, I think he, like, what was it post-buy last year? Went 108. Um, well, 107 post-buy and 108 in the finals. Uh, so it took him a bit of time to get used to being back in half back doing his thing. But once he was back there on a permanent role, um, it was the Whitfield of old. And I think Kingsley definitely likes him in there. Um, and because he's actually got more support around him, I think it actually helps him with Ashen coming and, and Himmelberg, where some people have players that doesn't. But Kingsley plays very much that Richmond game style. You know, he's the senior assistant there for for ages and, you know, no one has to have a look at like how Richmond played for ages with Baker and Rioli short, all these players averaging 100. Um, so Whitfield can definitely do that. It's just the, the early buy, which sucks. Um, the other one I've been hot on, but again, it's the buy, which is the problem, is Brayshaw. And it's just because of um, Clayton Oliver not being there. So um, they've obviously got to fill that role in the midfield. Uh, Brayshaw just playing in the half-back line, yeah, or on the wing, not a fan of. But if uh, he has to go in the guts, depending on how many games Clayton's going to miss, which some reports is it could be there round one, a lot more seem to be like he's not going to be back till mid-season. Um, yeah, so that could be a potential one who could get an early jump if he is playing in that, in that um, well, the big thing, not just the centre bounce, but, you know, um, Gorney's got to tap to someone. And it can't just be Petrarca every time, so... Yeah, the, there is some, I think, meat on the bone there. Interesting. Um, yeah, and there's a few others that wouldn't surprise me as well. I mean, Bailey Dale might pop up if Bevo is kind to him. So there's a few that... <laughs> I will well, not touch a bulldog. No, no, me neither. But as you know, I'm saying, there's a few there where, particularly for draft leagues or something or other, there are a couple there that if they did pop up and were averaging over 100, it's not they're not the ones you'd be like, oh, how surprising, right? So I think there's a little bit of scope there. Uh, let's get into the um, sort of like mid prices now. There's, it really stands out here. So mid prices, there's not much. And I'll say what's at two twenty up until about four fifty k. There's not much there. Now we'll probably flag a few of these together because they are being spoken about probably under the same umbrella. So um, Wangaline Miller up. So NWM is one that has been brought up as well as um, I'm going to say. Um, Elliot Yo as well on that higher price side of it of playing midfield. Oh, I'm, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, and then also um, Coleman as well. Kitty Coleman is another one. Again, so 398. So you're looking at that 400 to 450 bracket. And I think they're all kind of on that similar-esque as far as two distributors. We already know that halfback flanks can score well when they have the role. Both Wayne Miller and Coleman have actually done it over small stints. I haven't done it for a long period yet. Both emerging, both have opportunity. And then you have Elliot Yo, who's someone who has, has averaged 108 previously. 
has banged out a high score, high ceiling, sort of not body friendly kind of role. But um, now he's a defender, gentlemen. And I'm going to start with Elliot Yeo, first of all, as a quick shout out, because if he is actually getting through a preseason, and I would love nothing more than shit on someone that left Brisbane Lions a long time ago. I mean, outside of the highlight of Elliot Yeo's career is the fact that he was actually in the footage of the Miracle on Grass, in my opinion. Getting a disposal in the back pocket is the best thing he will ever do in his life, giving it to McGrath to kick the Miracle on Grass. So that being said, I think there is value to be had and actually keep your ears open and not use your heart or not be so biased with your head that you're actually turning someone away when the role is there, they're training preseason, and apparently they're doing well. So I am still watching this person, and I think you could do a lot worse than have someone of that caper. And then by round six, if he's coming up well and he's doing well, you keep him. And if not, then cool. You can then go, okay, well, I now have um, McKercher. I now have these other players that are going to get defender status. And then bang, Elliot Yo can become a premium somewhere else with. And I'll use your strategy because if he is shit, then you can just flip him to a midfield premium that's already had their buy or a day cost, and you're none the wiser. DR, what do you think about those three? How would you rank them? Three, two, one, starting with Elliot Yo, number one, and then work your way through. Look, I must be honest, and I'm maybe one of these blokes that a little bit biased, as you just mentioned. Uh, I've had my ears closed on Elliot Yo. I just have never in any way considered him this year in any way, shape or form. And it may be, I was a little bit burnt the other year because I'd really relied on him. And this is structurally as that mid price with that particular range. And then when he wasn't going to be available sort of last minute, I think it was Liam Jones came in. I changed a lot of things around. So I'm sort of avoiding this price range, but taking my personal structure out of things, I just can't trust that body. You know, I might go with someone like a Nathan Fife, but if I'm looking at the price and I'm comparing that, I'm, happier taking that risk at that price i know for potential he's pretty cheap at the moment but i just don't want the headache personally his uh, body's just let him down constantly game after game it seems like and so there's no way that i'm going back to the well benny just so compare compare the pair you say simples simples (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) yeah not much uh not much for me mate just not considering whatsoever, Swizz. Have you at least uh, have a, had a sniff around him, mate? mate? He's played 37 games in four seasons. I, I don't want to go near there at all. Um, I'm not a, and I, it's not even just the games missed, but it's his actual average over those last four years as well. It's 80, 68, 85, and 90. And yes, he has the ability to score 100, but the problem is he gets injured in one game and he ends up putting out a 20 or a 30 and it's subbed off and it just ruins his whole average there as well. So not only are you stuck with a low score one week, but then you, you just lose all sort of cash and um, that he's potentially made. And, and in the West Coast as well, like it seems like them in North Melbourne, they still haven't got over their um, issues off field with like injuries. Um, you know, every second player that seems to be injured at the moment is coming from North Melbourne or West Coast again. So I don't actually trust those two teams as a club unless it's a rookie player. I kind of don't really want to go near them. Okay, so we've done a lot of Elliot Yo hate. I kind of yep. kicked, I kicked that one <laughs> off for you. What about the other two then? If you had to split hairs between an up-and-coming Kitty Coleman or uh, Wanganin Miller, which way would you split? I'll start on that one. Um, Wanganin Miller is going to be a, a fantastic player, no problems about that. But my issue with him 
is I think the top six get about their their ball about 33% of the time, and he's hovering around 23, 24%. Um, so he's one of the lowest um, contested players of those, you know, sort of let's go 20 defenders and above. Um, what he is very good at is them giving him the ball because he's a terrific kick. His disposal efficiency is one of the best of those top defenders. So, but what I want from a and it's all his age and he's going to improve of this. But I want a player who can find his own ball um, and able to take intercept marks and that because all those are so important for super coach and their scoring. And it's probably why Wanganin Ralea at the moment his super coach is actually lower than his AFL fantasy, where Kitty Coleman. I've got no worry about him finding the ball. We saw it on grand final day. It was there to be one. He got in there and got it. So if I was looking for a choice between the three, um, I've got a lot more faith in Kitty, and especially because not a lot's changed there for Brisbane. You know, you've had Daniel Daniel Rich play that role for 12 years, and it's pretty well. He's been transitioned out. Kitty Coleman, which is coming in to fill that role, exactly how it used to be played. Yeah, look, a little bit burnt I was by Wangadee Miller. I was actually speaking with uh, Kama, believe it or not, Anthony Kamaniti. And I've gone, have you got any tips for me, mate? He's like, get this bloke in your side. He'll be on the kickouts, all the rest. And, hey, if it was second half of the year, beautiful pick, Kama. But, yeah, burnt me a little bit to start with. But sometimes, you know, that happens with picks. But I may be a little bit biased with my man, Kitty. But I think he has the potential to take his game to the next level. The only thing that worries me is I, I really don't think it's as it's as easy as Rich is out. Coleman's the one to step up. If you look back to last year, even with that those kick-ins, McKenna actually took a fair few of those as well. So I think McKenna could play a bit more of a, a running, attacking defender role, whereas Kitty, you just want him kicking the ball. So, yeah, I don't think that necessarily we'll always be looking to go through Kitty. I think there's a fair few blokes, even like the Pepsi Max King, maybe want to go through him a little bit more. So I do really like the Kitty pick. The the beauty about the Kitty selection is that we get all this free data in round zero, so you don't have to commit to him. We can actually see what things are looking like, which is a great thing about this pick. So I think even as a placeholder at this stage, I really like him. Wangadine Miller, I like his buy a lot more. That's something that may sway me, but if we're looking for for potential for this year and who I think will actually average the most, I'm probably going with my man Kitty at this stage, mate. But uh, one thing I'd like to see him do is actually play on a little bit more from those kick-ins. I think his play-on rate was about 66% from memory last year. So if he can get that closer to even 85 better you know, around the 90 mark, then there's some meat on the bone there for him as well. And I just think natural progression, I think he's had a few fitness issues in the past as well. I'm not saying he wasn't the most professional player, but I don't think he was the fittest. So I think he's now added that to his game as well. He's seen, I think, as a leader of the club. And uh, all those things seem positive to me at the moment, mate. So I'd have Kitty and uh, then the side just below him, but very even type split, hard to split. I was going to say, just think of a slogan, play on Kitty is probably not the right slogan I was trying to think of. I was like, how can you try and get him to play on a little bit? Yeah, he's into that, um, yeah. I actually, here's a little bit of a fun fact for you, gentlemen. Um, round zero, because you're speaking about, you know, free data that they give you. Round zero is actually sponsored by Optus this year because round zero is an absolute fuck up. And when that happens for Optus, they just give you free data, which is pretty much... <laughs> round zero is called the Optus round in my eyes because I don't like it. Um, but I do regress. Now, I, I will support you in that, though. The Lions are actually one of the most direct sides in the competition. 
they are not one to kind of fiddle around outside of the times where, you know, Collingwood or someone at the MCG might try and block the line. They just chip it back and switch it this way, chip it back and switch it this way. The Lions prefer to play direct, which means they are one of the lowest disposal teams in the competition because they just want to kick. There's, so that's the other issue for me is that when they do want to get in Coleman's hand because it's an aggressive kick, but because he is aggressive and trying to hit that corridor, he's not always going to, you know, um, pull it off either. So there might be a couple of uh, turnovers here and there when he gets a bit too aggressive. Plus the fact that I don't see his disposal rate going up a huge amount because, I mean, even Dunkley, they're just not a high disposal team. They're not just a handball, play on, chip it around, chip it around. The Lions want to go fast. They want to try and blindside their opponents and they want to try and take it on. So that doesn't exactly score the best super coach points unless you're actually in the coalface and getting those stoppages. So that's it for me. Um, any other one that you want to touch on, guys, before we get into these rookies? Well, I guess the two that you haven't mentioned is Himmelberg and uh, yes. the big one. And the big one is Connor Buderick. Uh, okay, sell me on Buderick, first of all, because I, I can talk about the HH. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I could talk about the big H all day, but yeah. what's this about Butterick that um, I can't even pronounce his name properly? Yeah, it's all about because Dimmer's gone out there. Well, we've seen it in the past, and this is why Sexton's getting a lot of love as a you know a forward as well. Is you know with Richmond, it was very much like we already had Tully there, then Short becomes the replacement. But we we very much played this sort of seven defenders at one point. It was eight defenders, um, and a lot of halfbacks running through there. So you know we had Baker Rioli change from forward to the defense. So um, Buderick's the one that they're talking about as being the next Jaden Short because he's got the the good kick on him, and Rioli's uh, the Sexton's kind of becoming that Rioli role. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if Buderick's the one lining up in the back pocket. Um, he's the one taking kickouts and you know there and it's probably their biggest weakness i felt with the suns last year you know great contested team we know how good their midfielders are but they've got one of the best rucks in the competition and they've actually got avenues to goal but they're very slow ball movement transitioning from half back um and and so many times you see in games where in a lot of their games they're quite low scoring because it would it was very stagnant if they didn't win the ball and they finally won it back it was kick chip you know, not very, I think it's like Fremantle style under like Ross Lyon. So I think he's looked at identifying a couple of guys who can move that ball, who can kick long well, and Fremantle penetrate the lines. Year, let alone uh, Fremantle last year, just more like it. Yeah, well, that, that too, anyway. man. It's, it's probably been Fremantle's DNA for, for a long time. And I think that that reminded me a lot of the Gold Coast Suns. So, I th- yeah, that's why I think Dimmer's come in and identified that and gone, okay, here's two guys, I believe, that can help us um, transition the ball out of halfback, which is AFL football these days. And, yeah, the two that they're looking at the most is Buderick and Sexton um, to support whoever who else they already had down there. Um, and, I th- yeah, so I can definitely see those two guys playing a big role. It just it depends on can, um, I guess, him lift. Like, I- I've got it more... Uh, faith in Sexton because of the price, because it's 135 compared to taking that little risk at 300. But if I saw it in the preseason game and then back it up in round zero and Buderick is the one on kick-ins, yeah, and he, even if he's going 85 at you know, 300K, he's going to make money for us. But with the potential that he could even go higher in that role. So, um, yeah, if he's the one who's even getting 50% kick-outs or – um, you know, got the ability to be the one that runs past for the after the intercept mark, then yeah, I'm definitely interested in. Is Dimmer spiritual? Is he? Could be. Do they just like at each training just go up and rub his belly or something? Like, is that is that why he's getting the game? He's on <laughs> he's on fire. Um, yeah. Put him, put him on a temple. 
Um, <laughs> DR, what do you reckon? So, as in Buderick or Himmelberg? Yeah, look, when it comes down to Buderick, as Swiss mentioned, there's been two blokes that have been touted to play down back and attack out of down back, and that's Sexton and that's Buderick. And at the moment, I'm just so much more prepared to pay what is 130-odd K for Sexton. So I'm not taking the risk at around 300K. I think there is obviously a lot of meat on the bone, but we haven't seen, you know, a great history from Buderick. There are durability concerns as well. And I'm not really sure at that price what your exit plan is going to be. You can obviously go down to a rookie, but I'm not huge on it at this stage. But if we see him in the role taking kickouts at the price, it's going to be very, very hard to knock back. So I definitely would have a plan B or C if you're not rolling with him, maybe for a little bit of a structural change to allow to fit him in if we see something really nice come uh, round zero. Learn a little bit of something about you every day, DR. I mean, you're saying there are some people you pay a premium for, but I never thought Sexton would be the one you're trying to stingy at the least. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 130K, I mean, that's nil bare basement, mate. You're not going to get much for that. Oh, mate, look. Um, oh, but we, we have heard a lot about, about what Sexton. We like for free. Yeah, for free. Yeah, for free, it's me. Um, <laughs> for a Defender <laughs> podcast, we've heard a lot about Sexton. I bought, I bought the milk yeah. and the farm. But Sexton will be Defender by round six through. Um, we'll get into this in the forward pod anyway. But uh, a friend of ours, so Chris, um, a guy that we work with and friends with, his sister's boyfriend is actually really good mates with Sexton. And apparently the word came out is that the hype is real. So it's in, I'm waiting to see it because obviously it's secondhand information. And um, yeah, I don't do secondhand anything, so except for furniture. Um, so I am waiting to kind of see 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 it sort of come into fruition, but that is definitely someone that I am looking at for that. Um, we will move into Himmelberg quickly, though, because he is someone that has been high on my radar for the whole preseason. He's also lowly owned. Um, when you look at a lot of these players, the ownership is very low, and the reason is, is that it's not that they don't have potential, it's just that a lot of people tend to go with and look at the percentages or look at who's being spoken about. Himmelberg has already been spoken about. He will be defender. He is not getting mixed around in the forward line or anything anymore. Resigned the contract there. So I think that was probably part of that conversation to go, okay, well, let's, let's secure that up. You've got Cayman in there now. They've got a little bit more um, mix as far as trying to hold that steady to you know make that forward line work for them. So I think with that stability, he is a Sicily light. He's someone that can intercept highly, um, good use, can and really impact the game. And he is Sicily. So when you look at Sicily and he had you know, had like some 86 sort of averages and then got up towards 100, he is someone for 450K who's $200,000 more than Dacos and $180,000 less than Sicily. He is someone that if obviously buy sort of sucks, but I wouldn't be surprised with, a, again, a high ceiling player, can someone that can actually bang off some really good scores. And when you look at good scores as well, I don't know if anyone has it from last year, but his last couple of scores absolutely monster. And um, he just went absolutely huge. So let me just bring up the end of his Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, Ben, while you're looking for that. So it was 110 after the buy in 2022 and 95 when he moved back to defense last year. Um, and yep. the bigger thing was once he moved back to defense, they'd only won two games in, I think, those first nine last season. And then he moved back to defense and they were unstoppable. So they're not moving him out of that role. Yeah, and sometimes actually chopped halfway between. He was on... 
like no super coach and then all of a sudden mm. goes back into defense and then scored well and i know this because i think i was so strapped for cash he was probably the only one i could afford at some point um but there is a couple of um decent scores in there of a 127 and a 129 the year before he did you know have some was it like 140s 150s it was uh, a 170 or or, no yeah, 187 exactly. i watched live yeah actually i think that was the round i got him in the year before so he is someone and a lot of these good quality players they they might not always follow through they might kind of tease you a little bit i remember lloyd you know years gone by he was you know teasing around that 87 90 average knocked out a little bit but still had potential some high scores but not consistent dawson as well the same thing 87 sort of average and then all of a sudden became a hundred player that's you, you see glimpses of these players before they become full premium but they don't just pop up out of nowhere and it's more about having a look at the role having a look at the preseason these round zero players watch them intently do they look good and then decide if you actually want to go on that journey because i wouldn't be surprised if yeah himmelberg was one of those intercepting players that scores more than ridley for instance yeah yeah and, and the thing with himmelberg too after that round zero game they play north melbourne and west coast the two teams with you know outside of north melbourne having larky and west coast having oscar allen there's not a lot else happening in those um, forward lines so he could just be intercepting all day and it would be a huge pod yes it's frustrating the fact he's got that um round three buy but as you were saying why couldn't you have one player from each buy team um or you're at least one player from each buy week uh, because it's not going to affect you too much because it's still best 18. So if he's the guy that you, you're confident in jumping up and being one of these top six defenders, you're getting him into bargain base and price, and you could be so far ahead of the game because when people are trying to trade him after his buy, well, he could already have his two best scores for the year. I'm saying now he'll be the top two averaging GWS players after round three. Yeah, I, I'm, I actually wouldn't be surprised green, at all. Green probably ahead of him. Or Canelio, one of those two. It wouldn't surprise Yeah, that's the but... debate. I think Canelio probably could be because he's the ones get no attention, but I think Himmelberg will be probably sitting there going like 110, just taking intercept marks for fun for those first yep. couple of weeks. And, and everyone's going to be going dead. Everyone's going to be trying to trade him in. Rise. Take his yeah. price rise and then get Elliot Yoa for that full three guys. And then make yourself three. <laughs> make yourself one price rise at three K. I mean, you heard it here first. Um, all right, let's get well, into no, this. But can I actually finish on that, Ben? Because you were saying about, and I think it was UDR about the get out um, for Buderick. Where do you go for that? At least because Brisbane and Carlton have their buy. Um, and then obviously come back playing the week that the Giants have the buy. If Kitty Coleman goes, pops off and Himmelberg, for whatever reason, doesn't work out, you could go Himmelberg down to Coleman. There is a get-out there um, where yeah, it's harder point. for the other way around. Start, start point, with the mate. more expensive and work your way backwards, I think. Otherwise, it's, it's hard to find cash. Same as with yeah, the ruck line. If you're trying to go, oh, hey, I want a Grundy or Cherry or something or other, and you know, all of a sudden you need cash, it then just becomes an issue. So I always try mm. and at least either keep some cash in the bank or start the expensive rookies if I'm not sure. If it's a 50-50, I'd try and start with the more expensive one, knowing that I can always downgrade and then use that cash somewhere else. But always have some kind of flexibility in place because this year I think you're going to have to be more flexible than any other year we've seen. Mm. And it'll be those who are flexible and able to actually shift their side around, which is where some it's, it's actually a pretty good strategy to have some of those mid-price kind of players. Just because if someone is really firing, you're not as attached to that player and you can then go, oh, okay, I'll get rid of this mid-price that's not really firing. Instead of you going, oh, I've got a premium, 
and this mid price is going well, and I'm just going to dump my premium for this mid price and hope it works. It's much easier to kind of be flexible when you aren't all guns and rookies. And with 40 trades, I think a full gun and rookie layup isn't going to be the solution you look for this year. No, exactly. So speaking of mid prices, we'll go down to the, the low end, more rookie price. Um, Zach Williams mm -hmm. is one we have touched on briefly. Uh, what is he? He's 216K. I think I joke saying that he's pretty much, is he uh, more expensive by 8K or something than, um, than Reed? Harley Reed, Reed. Yeah. He's, he's very similarly priced. So you're pretty much getting a rookie that has been in the system for a long time, a guy that thought he was a midfielder but turns out he's not. Um, is it as simple as just starting him if he makes it to round one, Dio? I was going to say I there's 200, so. 200 people more that own um, Dacos than Williams, which surprised me. I'm surprised Oof, he's not number there, one, mate. There you go. I, I think it is. I think that... For the price that you're paying, we know he's a, a massive injury risk, but if you compare him to someone like an Elliot Yo, you get him at half the price. So I think he's an absolute no-brainer, and he should be pretty much in 100% of sides if he lines up round one. Mm -hmm. Yep. Otherwise, yep. they have the buy, what is it, round two. So they play zero, one, no price rides, yeah? Buy round two. Yeah, so then the that's the only thing. That could be potentially the only thing you're thinking of going, well, I get two weeks to look at him, but he's not the sort of guy I'd be wanting to try to look at trying to trade in there. Um, there's other guys that we talked if you're going to make those moves and correction trades and whatever. I think, yeah, you're going to – because everybody's going to own him anyway, so you're, all you're doing is catching up to the pack and then uh, people like us are making different moves. So, yeah, I don't yeah, – I, don't, I don't think you're just starting. probably look to them, bring yeah. him in and correct a rookie that they're going with. So yeah. You're like a curtain – for instance, a nice little segue. Um, I'm waiting to see Curtin uh, open those drapes and show me something beautiful because um, yeah. that monk shot, and I have yet to see it. So I, I need to be swayed. I need to be pampered. Um, he was in yeah, the B team, mate. I need a bit was... of meat on the bone with that Curtin. He was in the B team in match sim. So, yeah, I think there's a long way back um, at the yeah, moment. but a B team defender up against the A forwards could also be a good matchup. So... Potentially, but at the same time, it does have me asking questions of going why, because it depends on how teams are running their match sims. I think it's more the case when I look at it and go, okay, you can clearly see they've got, like Richmond did with their match sim the other day, you had like Prestiar and say Baker on one team and Taranto and Hopper on another team. And there's, there's no real A versus B. It's sort of, okay, we're just going to get, um, you know, our best two midfielders versus our next best two midfielders and let them slug it out and sort of have a more even spread. Where then other games where you can clearly see all the best players are playing on one team and all the, you know, probables are playing, like West Coast did the other day, for example, and then they had some top-up players. Um, and you can clearly see, okay, this is the A team meant to be smashing the B team. And I think that was the case the other day for Adelaide where it was a match where it was like the A team versus the B team. And yeah, and that doesn't mean players can't jump up um, and you know, make an impression and they're in the A team for the next game. But I just think he's a little bit further back at the moment. Obviously, come, you know, a little bit of injury and, and a few other things going on, it's going to take a little bit of time for him to settle in. So, And there's probably no reason for Adelaide to rush him in for round one too. Um, like I know a lot of people are going, yeah, we want to get Curtin in, but it's at the same time, these are long-term picks. Um, so there's no reason to risk them. I agree. I agree. He's not currently in my side. I think he pretty much was until there was a bit of talk about that knee issue. But from what I've heard, they actually drafted him 
with a bit of an issue. So I don't think it's something that's necessarily new. I just think it's something that they knew about. And I think they're prepared to manage it as well. And I've got no idea whether or not he's going to line up round one. But as we said, they're not desperate to get games into him necessarily straight away or even this year. Just make sure that his body's right because he's a long-term player. He's meant to be a bit of a superstar. And I know that in the was it the Waffle and uh, six senior games, I think it was. He averaged over 80 points there. It might have been fantasy points. I'm not too sure. But scoring potential is there. Talent's there. But I just don't think that they're going to rush him in unless he's absolutely ready. And I've got doubts on that happening at the start of the year. So, uh, yeah, definitely one to keep a, a lookout for. And if he is selected come round one, then we've got some decisions on our hands. But for now, not on the side, but maybe make some plans for a bit of a late in if you need to. A little bit of an awkward price, I think, for me too. I don't like paying too many expensive rookies unless they have a decent role in job security. Um, and for me, you know, that 175K is probably just enough to be a bit of a pain in the ass. So you, you, you've seen it in years gone by. Um, like Bolter was kind of an expensive one that sort of, you know, fizzled. Defender is only one bad round away from stalling that cash out. I don't think it'll be a, a not the type of player to be a sub potential or risk, I think, unless everything's going absolutely pear shaped. But I think there's, um, you know, with Gibkus being slightly cheaper, which will be the next point of call, and he's been in the system for a bit longer. Uh, was also, again, was he like pick seven, Swiss? He was also yeah, a highly rated was. pick. So yeah. I'm looking at the cheaper option for a guy that's been in the system for a lot longer, knows the system for a lot longer, hasn't had any knee issues, but he has had his own issues. So um, Gibkus, 150K. Swiss, you're probably the best person to talk about this yeah. guy. I just think if he's if he keeps ticking the boxes, which it looks like he is, uh, I think there's a spot there for him. And yep. I, I quite like his hands and I quite like his use by foot. What do you reckon? Yeah, 100%. And the funny thing is, Gibkus was in the position that Curtin was two seasons ago at that sort of 170, 180 mark. Um, so we're actually getting him cheaper than his um, debut year, which is fantastic. And they're pushing Bolter out, A, because we don't really have enough forward options, but B, it's interesting that Bolter's the one getting pushed out over the fact that Gibkus is back. So um, they're going to go with young Gipkus and, and Grimes as the three tools, uh, with Broad as the supporting role. Um, and then, of course, we've got Short and Rioli and a couple of the others going down there. So, um, yeah, they, they they love him, you know, can take intercept marks, find, finds his own ball, and he's a beautiful user coming out of defence. So at 150K, he's lining up for Richmond round, round one for sure. Um, yes, I've got no problems at all picking him. Like it, and I'm pretty sure that if he averages what he did in his debut year, then he makes 150k, if yep. I'm not mistaken. So that's another thing you'd hope that look, it's tough coming back from injury, but you'd hope that he could even build on what he scored in that debut season. So, uh, yeah, I, I really like it currently in my side. Yeah, I like it. Um, the next one that probably needs to be touched on is uh, Tom Cleary, another one, 145k. So, in that sort of slightly more expensive rookie bracket, but um, it's interesting to see what role he'll have. And he has a bit of competition up there. So Port Adelaide are talking, you know, up on the wing, probably a little bit of competition sort of, um, is it no back and half back flank again? Yeah, moved it. So he yeah. started on the wing in their match sim and, and moved him straight back to the back line. Yeah, so there's a lot Didn't of Didn't last more than 10 minutes, I believe. But either way, there's competition on the wing and there's competition at half back flank. So mm. I think the fact that he didn't probably put his best foot forward on the wing um, is then going to put him right back into competition with some other people. So... You know, and Sin's also one of those ones kind of you know, competing for that sort of spot. 
So it's going to be yeah interesting to sort of wait. I and think see on how they Sin got injured. Uh, not one hundred percent of this. I'm just trying to find my notes, but um, I believe he he may have even got injured in that match. Sim, uh, but they have been trying a different a few different people in there. Georgiades, um, what was it? Very yeah, yeah, he's. Is yeah, Sim was uh, from his ACL? Yeah, they were actually they were managing Sim after his injuries. Jeez. So he was hey, just on know, running. You know he was just some on people, running duties. Some people turn to like stretching and Pilates and the rest of it. I wonder if Sim's like maybe gone to church and started praying. Like as a, <laughs> <laughs> well, the amount of injuries oh, he's had though. Forgive me, Father. I mean, has he thought about going to church? Yeah, yeah. So the the match notes from their match sim was Cleary started on the wing, but was moved into defence where he spent the rest of the day. And yeah, Sin was just running laps. Um, so they're yeah, I think they're playing around. And the, the interesting one was they actually put Finlayson down in defence. Um, so yeah, I think that's because Port obviously have a lot of forward options. You know, um, Big Charlie, uh, Finlayson, Marshall, Georgiades. Uh, so trying to fit them all in. So where do you kind of fit Finn Lason in? You know why? They got Radagalia and he's a fucking liability. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's right. But they don't. They actually probably like, need so an extra defender. So, yeah, I think that they are playing around with some of these players, but I do think Cleary's a bit further back than what we were probably hoping, um, even if Sin wasn't there. Yeah, Radagalia will hold him, and then um, <laughs> Finn Lason will come in with the intercepts and the big buckets. Bucket Junior. Um all right, and then we'll kind of there is this is where it gets a little bit sketchy now. See, there's a couple here. So like Cooper Vickery's been on the system for twelve months. Haven't heard much about him as far as progressing through Sydney. I do remember that Sydney really did pip. I uh, can't remember who it was. Was it Hawks or someone that was really interested in him? And they pretty much picked their pockets with a bit of a, a trade swap, and they went and got Vickery. So I'm waiting to see some little bit out of that one as well. Um, but the other one I do want to kind of look at is Buslinger. Is another one that's been in the system for twelve months. Haven't heard much yet, so I'm trying to kind of keep my ears open. But you know, the dogs already have a lot of competition there. But again, another first round pick that has been in the system for 12 months, and as you know, sometimes these first round picks don't really go far, um, as you know, some other people will tell you. But I mean, surely it's not all about you know Pink and Hall, and um, was it Reed as well from Essendon? Yeah, unfortunately, I think it is. I think it, I think it is, mate. And the only one I'm really confident on out of that group, because I'm not really confident on any of them, is uh, Caulfield, only because he's moved over. He's been the high draft pick. And the Bulldogs, I could potentially see a role there. Um, Bevo, the, it's funny, as weird and wacko as some of Bevo's selection nuts are, he actually does play players that come across. Like we've seen him try Shacky as much as he is a spud. But like straight away last year was the uh, Collingwood player that they picked up halfway through the year. To help me out with this, boys, um, was um, I'm trying to think who they oh, put on Poulter. the wing. From- Poulter? Yeah, Poulter. Straight away came in, played his role. Um, so he does have a habit of this, of bringing guys in um, that he's identified. And I wouldn't be surprised if Coffield. Yeah, I don't know exactly where he's going to fit in, but I think he can fit into best 23. So he's the only one I can sit there and go, I'm probably confident of. Uh, Marty Hall, maybe, just because Melbourne have got so many issues with their forward line and their tall forwards. I know you and I were talking about that today, Benny, um, that, you know, who do they look at playing up there? Because there's not too many options. I, I disagree with you, the whole Petrarca, because I think they actually need a proper key forward down there. And, yeah, and Shaqie's surely not the answer. So, yeah, I don't think they want to split up May and Lever because they're such, you know, a dynamic duo down there. But is it a chance that they throw a whore? Is it the fact that, say, Petty 
goes down back there. You know, Tomlinson hails his body. So does Hawke come as the third defender for a while and they look at one of these other options who has played forward before, um, but is sort of a pinch hit until, you know, the rest of their, their forward line comes up. So it wouldn't surprise me if Marty or because the difference with Hall coming in is obviously he was a Melbourne player, you know, relegated back to the VFL, but he's been part of that system for a long time. So he actually understands how to work with And I'm sure even when he was at Casey, he was still working with May and Lever. Um, so I think they've probably brought him back in there at first as a bit of security, but as somebody who knows their system. Yeah, I think Reed's probably the one I think probably has the most security for me, only off whispers. So outside of, um, you know, obviously Caulfield, but for that extra little bit of spot, uh, also fairly highly owned. But McGrath came out saying that um, he's had a really good preseason. He's connecting really well with Ridley and McKay uh, in that last line of defence. So they're super excited about what's to come. They feel like he's growing every day, blah, blah, blah. So as in, um, I think he's probably the one that might have some scope, but it's hard for, you know, competition down there as far as, yeah, their makeup unless they are looking to push, you know, McGrath and some others up the field. Well, they, they've got a – sorry, Benny, they've got a lot of halfbacks, but they don't yeah, really yeah. have the key position, do they? That's why they brought Mackay in because they didn't have the gorilla and they really want to try to free up Ridley. They don't want Ridley as that second main defender. So I could yeah. see them going Reed, um, Mackay, and then Ridley. But then that's the thing. They did bring Kelly Kelly's over. Kelly the the video like, footage on preseason. I don't know if anyone's cut, caught any of it. Some of the comments and um, Kelly was copping absolute flack uh, from some of the comment section. Like Kelly's a liability. Get him off the field. Why yeah. did we get this guy? Yeah, that's right. But like, at least Kelly can kind of play on that smaller. It feels like he's like that, just lesser version of Grimes, um, where you can play tall, play small. Um, but yeah, but then his disposal can be oh, a bit wanderer. <laughs> yeah, bit. What's the word? Agricultural at times, so that. So it's just like, uh, yeah. Would you be more safe having like your know, McGrath, Redmond with the ball in their hand? So I don't. There's question marks about that Essendon backline. At least the good thing compared to like you know we we're talking about Curtin before. Reed, the high pick, he's been in the system for a, a few years now. They want to get games into him. Does he have more of a, uh, you know, yeah, even if it is a couple poor games, he still keeps his spot compared to maybe, you know, one of these first round or, you know, new new players. Uh, so that's the only confidence I probably have on Reed compared to some of these others. But, um, yeah, until we kind of see it. And then that Toby Pink as well, just because North Melbourne don't really have anyone, you know, they've lost Mackay and they're apparently trying everyone down there, but they just don't have a back line. They, they're going to look good forward of centre, but I'm actually really concerned about how North Melbourne set up down there, um, Mr. DR. I'm waiting for North to release. Have they released their official numbers yet? Because surely Pink has the number two on his back. No, surely. Have they released it? Yeah, two in the pink on two number two on the back. <laughs> two in the. So they should. Oh, they geez. should. Oh, they no. should have number two on the back of Pink. Oh, God. boy. They should. <laughs> How so is he, bad. Is he not? What number is he? Oh, my. F- <laughs> go, oh, go, mate. Go. It's all you, DR. Well, well <laughs> try to mate. recover from that. <laughs> it's right. Just just quickly on Pink, I um, I spoke with Big J the other night, and you're absolutely right, Swiss. There are a few blokes that could be running through there. I think Dawson's one bloke that uh, he's actually got in front of him at the moment. Uh, Biggie as well, who's transferred over from Richmond, your old boy. I don't mm-hmm. think he's first in line, but... Big J, and this is just personal opinion, actually had him ahead 
of Toby of Toby Pink. So take that with a grain of salt, whatever. But that's Big J's opinion. So I think Pink's currently selected in about a quarter of all sides, twenty three to twenty five percent. So I don't think that he's probably that auto pick that we thought he may have been coming in as that mature body. Uh, yeah, I think he's about 25 years old, was in the All-Australian Team of the Year in the Sandful last year, so uh, also helped his side to a premiership. So come come across in really good form, but I don't think he's as automatic into that 22 as what I was even personally thinking anyway earlier on the season. Yeah, and then roll as well from that point. I mean, yeah, key defenders, points scored. I think the, the numbers are reflecting the desperation that people have and they're just mm. going, oh, I need a rookie. And then they're filtering by a percentage of teams and going, oh, this person's high. Why is this person high? Let's just yeah. put them in the team and let That's the dust exactly settle. So, um, the the one... Really... Sorry, you go. Sorry, you go, Ben. No, I was just going to say, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the um, some of the rookies actually stand up in the preseason. The, the ones that we haven't heard much about yet, the ones that are you know start firing and then get talked about being a possible round one. Because we could really use some defenders and some just some clarity on the mids. Yes. Because the forwards, the forwards you can chop and change. There's quite a few. Whereas the midfielders, you go, okay, there's good enough. I've got a few forward mids in there. But defense and mids, I could use a little bit of security and a couple of um, left field rookie defenders. And the other thing is, I know each year everything changes, but I am genuinely concerned by the lack of defenders that are even looking like they are going to get a game at this point. Mm-hmm. So I know stuff changes mid-year, but then I'm automatically thinking, well, hang on, if I have these people and I need to try and free up some cash, like who am I? Who, who's on the horizon? Like who looks like they might actually yeah. break through? And I know there's usually someone that comes up, but sometimes with the midfield and the forward line, there's there's few players who are like, oh, I hope they get a game soon because they're really talented or, you know, you're kind of waiting for them to drop. Whereas in defense, it's like, oh, I'll just take whoever I can get. Yeah. And I'm a little bit worried, which is why I'm kind of thinking about starting more expensive defenders and then thinning out my forward line and my midfield just enough to kind of start maybe four premiums with a merit, etc. Yeah. So that the, way the I only to free it up. The only sneaky one, and he's unfortunately he's 154k, um, is our boy Tom Brown at Richmond. Um, did he had illness all through his uh, year last year, um, but he recovered and ended up making his debut late in the season. Um, and they they've quite liked him what he's done so far in the preseason. So um, maybe just a sneaky one that could end up being the the bench um, defender that comes on from the Tigers there. Uh, so just one to continue to watch throughout the preseason. And, and I could see that maybe with Uze coming in, if he thinks it's you know I've got a free hit of development here. It might be okay. Can I set up because obviously Tyler Young in his first season we talked about in Gifkus, is it the fact that they bring Brown through with that group as well? Um, yeah, so there's potential there as a as a left field rookie that nobody's been looking at. Beautiful, interesting. Uh, I think that wraps us up, gentlemen. So look, that is a pretty well in depth conversation about a whole range of defenders. Um, Hopefully, bringing you a little bit of entertainment along the way. Sorry for my part in the in the entertainment industry, but um, look, I'm about to start going on a low sugar sort of thing tomorrow, so I thought I'll get in a couple of the uh, New Zealand whiskeys while I can, and um, make make way while the, the sun is shining. So, look, D, I thank you very much for coming up on the line. Uh, I know Chris is going on a cruise, I think, in a few days' time. So I think Swizz and myself will probably try and get together with him over the next couple of nights and get some content down before that point. The season's crazy, dear. we got like a month or so. I think there's like three weekends or something, and then some of the round zero stuff starts. 
So I don't know about you, but it's going to be a pretty crazy and full-on month, I think. Oh, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I know we're doing a heap of team previews coming up at the moment. There is so much going on, isn't there? And it's going to be here before we know it. So make sure we're doing our research now, talking to the right people. And uh, I'll certainly be tuning in uh, to this series, boys, because there's still a few question marks for me, players from all lines and all areas of the ground. So I'll be tuning in. And uh, thank you very much for having me on again. Always an absolute pleasure, Legends. Always a pleasure, Gia. What have you got coming up for the um, people at home? What is, what's your agenda look like for the next week? Have you got anything dropping or anything yeah, in, in the mix? Mate, it, it's pretty full on. It's pretty full on schedule at the moment. So uh, dropping a lot of team previews at the moment. So and I've already got Carlton lined up this week. We're not going in alphabetical order. It's basically when are people available? We're getting Essendon done, getting the doggies done as well this week. And uh, hopefully Swizz can come on for the Tigers and Benny. Yeah. You're my main Brisbane man, so uh, yes, yeah, I've, looking I've forward to having you guys for on the well, mate. Look at I don't know if anyone can notice. Well. I don't know if anyone can notice, right? Anyone can notice the the crinkles in this thing because I wrapped it up in a ball and threw it in the corner <laughs> after the Lions lost, and I thought, you know what? Today is the day. And I so unscrunched good. it, put you know the old mothballs away, and. Um, Smells like it. victory this year, DR. So um, <laughs> the lead up was good, Benny. It was good spending time with you in the lead up. Like, let's just think about the good times. Oh, yeah, and that was that was probably the highlight for me. Obviously, if we got the grand final, that would have been the, the big highlight. But uh, hey, I'll take second place. Um, Absolutely, the, the, mate. The atmosphere before the grand final, huge. Um, I would live that again. I would go down days and days before a grand final. Mm. Just I would return and have my flight booked soon after, like the next day, because. You might as well just party on if you win and then struggle your way to the airport and then go. But when you lose, spending another two days in Melbourne, I've seen like Collingwood people everywhere, walking their dog, landscapers, cutting bushes, wearing their Collingwood jerseys. And I'm stuck in Melbourne for like another two days because I'm cheap. <laughs> it was the worst experience. I'm like, I would pay the extra $200 for a flight right now to get me out of here. So big, big regrets um, from that one. But look, Thank you much, uh, DR. So Swizz will be joining you for the Richmond one, obviously myself for the Brisbane, and we'll get tuned soon. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Beautiful. All righty. Bye. Bye.